Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes. And I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to the Engaging Missions Radio Show. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Radio Show, your home for inspiration and encouragement from missionaries around the world. Join us each week to hear what God is doing and to learn how you can be involved wherever you are in whatever God has called you to do. Whether you're a full-time missionary or are called into the marketplace, you have a home here. We're all in this together. Okay, let's get started. I'm really happy to have Alan Smith here with me today. Alan is a homeland missionary who's based in the U.S., just outside of Nashville, Tennessee. He's the assistant missions pastor at Springhouse Worship and Arts Center and serves in partnership with Community Servants, which provides a variety of housing and education opportunities to low-income families, including refugees. He also travels to visit and encourage missionaries in Mexico, Honduras, Cambodia, and Guatemala. Okay, Alan, I've given a little bit of an introduction. Now, why don't you just take a minute and tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry. We want to get to know you personally. Sure. Thank you, Brian. And I appreciate the opportunity to be here today with you. Um, Coffee Cup Ministries really started about three years ago. And it was from the aspect of, um, I felt a call going back into full-time ministry. I'd been out of full-time ministry for a period of time. And so in starting that, I found myself in uh, counseling or mentoring situations and just ministry, fellowshipping with mostly men, but it was some families as well, uh, literally over cups of coffee, whether it was at a coffee house or in our home or at their place. And um, and so that's where the name comes from. And, and the whole purpose of it really was just to uh, point people toward Christ in a purpose of serving through personal relationship and just showing them uh, where I've been in my life and what God's done for my personal life and, and things that have worked for me and struggles that I've had. So that they would know that um, they're not alone in the things that they're going through. That it's common to all men, like the word says. And so that's where the name comes from. And so it's a local helps ministry and uh, for single parents and for anybody, really. And then it's just kind of evolved into uh, global missions. Thanks, Alan. Now that we know you a little, can you share with us a scripture or a motivational quote that's been really meaningful to you? And then share with us how that scripture or quote has really shaped your behavior? Uh, sure. Uh, the scripture is actually in Colossians 4, and it starts in verse 7, and it's the next two or three verses there. Um, as this all kind of developed, uh, I watched my missions pastor, Bruce Coble, at Springhouse minister with the missionaries that we would go visit. And in the passage, Paul's uh, telling Tishicus, he says that I'm sending him to tell the news about me. He's a dear brother, he's a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. And then verse 8, I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, and that he may encourage your hearts. And the biggest part of 
what I feel God's calling me to do is to be an encourager to missionaries who are actually out on the field. Um, I know that God hasn't put that in my heart as of yet to be a, a field missionary, but I see that the struggles that they go through when I've been to the different places, like you said, Cambodia and Guatemala, Honduras, and even in Mexico. And these these people have given of themselves, many of them for 20 plus years, and being out on the field and have left family and friends at home, and they just need somebody to come alongside and encourage them in what they're doing. Not so much about the work that they're doing, but just being a personal encourager to them and their walk. And so that's kind of been a central theme for me is whatever I do, whether it's tangible physical labor or teaching or preaching in some of these places, the the biggest goal for me is to be an encourager to the missionary, to uh, just to encourage them to do the good works that they're doing and to continue in what God's called them to do. One of the things you mentioned was that, you know, it's not always easy. And we know that life isn't always just puppies and kittens. Mm. As we, uh, as we get started, uh, you know, we've heard a little bit about you and you've heard your motivational quote or your, your key scripture really. And, um, I think what I'd like to hear about now is, uh, one of those challenges, that time when you, in, maybe in your ministry, you encountered a significant challenge or failure, uh, time when you really had to dig down deep to overcome something. Take us to that time in your life and tell us your story and then tell us what the, uh, what the lessons learned were. <laughs> wow. Just one, um, Probably one of the, and being very transparent here, one of the biggest things that I encountered was um, early on, back in 1998, 97, in that time period, I was a youth pastor at a church and also led the worship there. And we had only been married, my wife Renana, I had only been married about eight years. And I've always heard the, the intensity of daily Bible reading and in prayer and uh, keeping yourself to a life of integrity. But during that period of time, uh, there were some difficulties in our marriage and, and I, you know, just allowed the enemy a place in our, in our home. And it caused a division between my wife and I. And for about two years, it was a difficult struggle. And, and of course, through that, um, God's great grace through my wife, I experienced what the power of forgiveness is and then also I learned the value of trust and then finally the power of restoration and since that time uh, we'll be married 25 years this May but you know going through the struggle for the 18 months to two years it took about two years after that to really um, build that trust factor back with my wife she was immediately uh, forgiving and, and she gave me the forgiveness of Christ. But when we fall and when we fail, uh, man, we have to earn that trust back. And uh, so through the grace of God, I was able to earn that back. And then God's restored our marriage. And, and it's better now than it ever has been. And, uh, you know, that's a big point for us when we minister to couples. Look, it's going to be tough in life and you're going to have opportunities and uh, one of our key components of that was before we were ever married. In fact, the night that I proposed to her, we, we were sitting in the Shoney's parking lot in Smyrna, Tennessee. But during that three or four hours of conversation that night, early in the morning, um, we just vowed divorce is not an option. 
you know, the word says what God's joined together, let no man tear asunder. And we just took that to mean even ourselves. And so we just vowed that night that no matter what may come, if one or the other uh, causes pain or difficulty in our marriage, that the other one was not going to give up. And the threefold cord scripture, you know, in Proverbs and talking about God being the central theme. And so in that, um, that that's probably, I consider the greatest failure I've ever had uh, ministry wise because my ministry suffered for that for those four years. But God was faithful to restore that over the last, you know, 10 years of our marriage and in ministry opportunities. Wow. Thanks for sharing that, Alan. I, I love hearing these, these stories of God's faithfulness, which actually takes us to the next thing. And, you know, whether the, 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 the answer to the next question is going to be continuation of that story or if there's something else, what I'd like for you to do is share with us a time that, uh, that God really came through, whether it was a time when your back was against the wall and you needed a breakthrough, whether you were praying for somebody else, whatever that was, um, I'm looking for you to paint us a picture of God's faithfulness. There's probably... Wow, there's several. God's just been faithful through my whole life. I'll be 49 in December of this year. But I think the biggest time for me was 1993, the birth of our first child. Um, Jeremy was uh, about a month premature. And so he was born December the 15th. And they rushed us immediately from the hospital in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, to Vanderbilt in Nashville. And... You know, I got to hold him just seconds after he was born. And then they had him in an incubator and in the ambulance and off we went. And so for the next 10 days, uh, we were in the NICU ward at Vandy and just watching them poke and prod him with needles and, and everything that was going on became very emotional to us. And we just, you know, the old term that the assemblies of God in the old Pentecostals, we'd lay, lay, you know, hold of the horns of the altar. And uh, we have so many people around the country and, and in this area, particularly just praying. And, you know, we took and we wrote scriptures of healing and, and deliverance. And we pasted them on his incubator and in his room. And we just, we knew God had blessed us and we knew God was faithful. And we said, you know, no matter what happens, whether we get to take him home or you take him, you know, we just thanked him for the blessing of having him. And uh, Christmas was coming up, and we just thought, man, we don't want to spend Christmas in this, you know, uh, neonatal ward. And we just began to really seek the face of God. And uh, things just turned, his lungs developed, and his heartbeat got stronger. And and we just saw little improvements over the last couple of days. And, you know, Christmas Eve came and cutoff time was getting close to whether they'd let us take him home. And, and uh, about 5.48 on Christmas Eve, the doctor came in. And he said, you can, take your, you can take your Christmas present home. So those nine, ten days were just amazing to watch the faithfulness of God and, and Jehovah Rapha to hear the prayer of his people and then to heal his son and then for us to be able to take him home. And that's probably the greatest Christmas I've ever had in my life was having that firstborn son there. And again, you know, we reiterate 
points he shared earlier. It's just the faithfulness of God. And we've seen it in our life so many times. So that was probably the it for us. Wow, that, that so much reminds me of um, of when our daughter was born. When, mm. uh, you know, ours wasn't quite as extreme, but, you know, we were expecting a natural birth. We ended up with an almost emergency C-section. Um, you know, we had some, some small challenges, nothing like that. But it was just amazing to see how how we came through that. I remember talking to Catherine as we were, you know, going into that and saying, you know, what we're looking for here is a healthy baby and a healthy mommy. Now we're going to move kind of to the other end. We've heard a little bit of God's faithfulness, but just like we all have challenges, there are also those times when we have these moments of revelation. And I'm looking for you to share with us uh, a story of a time in your journey when that happened. Take us back to that moment and share with us the uh, the steps that you took to take that light bulb moment and, and turn it into success. That would probably be um, May. Uh, well, they're a couple, actually. They kind of tie together. My father passed about four years ago, and it was kind of unexpected. He had some kidney issues, and within seven months, he was gone. And in all of that, uh, the Lord blessed us financially. You know, it was difficult losing our father, but, you know, in that, I saw my father's love because he had provided for us financially, and we were able to uh, put ourselves in a situation where we could take a year and and just seek the Lord because I had failed to call back to full-time ministry. And so in that process, um, I felt like I was supposed to go on a mission trip. I just didn't know where. And the youth group at our church, which my son was a part of, was getting ready to go to Mexico. So I sat in on the adult and parent meeting for that and I thought I need to go on this trip so as the missions pastor drew the meeting to a close and was leaving I just kind of grabbed him by the elbow and said hey I think I'm supposed to go on this trip and so he looked at me and said well I'm not sure about this one maybe he said but I know what you're supposed to do I think you're supposed to go with me to Guatemala and uh, minister at the ministry training school there for the divinities at Open Door Ministries and I went okay. And I said, can I pray about it? And he said, sure, but let me know by Friday, which was two days later. <laughs> by Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I went home and I told my wife and I said, you're not going to believe this. And I explained the situation and we prayed about it. And some things, you know, the word always talks about through prayer and fasting in different situations, but sometimes you just know you have that spirit to spirit contact with the Holy Spirit and he just imparts things to you. And I just knew I was supposed to go. And so on this trip, I had purposed in my spirit to be an Elisha to Bruce Coble as the Elijah. You know, Elisha was the water boy, basically, for Elijah. And he did everything for Elijah as the prophet of God. And I just felt whatever Bruce needs, I'm going to be there, whether it's carrying his luggage or, you know, picking up his meal, you know, the food from his meal and his plates and things or whatever it is. And so in serving him during this week, I watched how he basically did the same thing for the missionary. Everything that we shared at the meal times or the table and discussions, he never spoke about himself or his ministry. He was always encouraging the missionaries and asking them about what was going on in their in their work and what God was doing down there and, and getting God's stories from them. And through the course of that week, the Holy Spirit just ministered to me and that light bulb you spoke of just went off and I went, man, 
I'm not called to be a missionary, but I I can do that. I can encourage people. And and I thought, man, that's that's what I want to do. I want to be an encourager to those that have sacrificed and, and put their lives out on the field. And so it was in May of 2011 in uh, Mexico, Guatemala City, and I went, I think this is what you have for me, God. And, and ever since then, it's just developed from trip to trip of, you know, God, how can I minister to these missionaries? How can I encourage them? How can I make their work easier? How can I do anything that will allow them to continue the God work that you've called them to do to uh, to inspire them? And so I think that's what, you know, God has called me and Coffee Cup Ministries to is just to be a support to those that have given so much and out on the field. So this next question might be a little bit of a surprise, but it's coming out of what you were just talking about. So what's one of the things that you, um, just one thing that you've done that's been an encouragement? Like what, what, how, what do you do to put, put life and flesh on the bones of, of that? I think just being real with the missionaries. Um, a lot of times, especially in the Christian world, when pastors or ministers get together, there's this uh, Christianese language that goes about between each other, and we're talking about the size of our church or this and the other. But for me, it's just being natural and talking to them about life stuff, about their kids, about sports, about their personal interest. Um, a particular missionary was just in this past uh, fall. He came in from August, and he was here in the state of Tennessee through November. And um, when he left and he went back, he went to Michigan for a period and then he went back to Guatemala. And I received an email from him and, of course, he had made mention of it to a couple other pastors that he had had contact with. And he just said, you know, if it hadn't been for Alan and his friendship, uh, I wouldn't have made it through this difficult time. And, And that was humbling just to know that just being a friend, just, you know, riding together to places and and talking about non, what you would think would be non-spiritual stuff, but how spiritual that really was, to just encourage and just to be a friend, to listen. And so, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. I mean, I teach, I preach the word in places, and uh, I'm, I work with children, and I do physical labor. You know, I'm a painter, and I can do some drywall, so I do a variety of things depending on what's necessary on some of these trips. But for me, if I can just be an ear that will listen, a brother that will uh, not pass any judgment, but just come alongside and just be that friend and encourager, that's, that's the best way that I can flesh this out. And that is so powerful that you get to be who you are, who God created you to be, and that your ministry just flows out of, out of that. So now we're going to move to the present day. Uh, we want to hear about what's going on in your ministry. So what's one thing that's really in- exciting you about your ministry right now? Um, obviously, it's the international trips. I really enjoy going to these different nations because what I find out is that John 3.16 is so real. God did so love the world and that people are people, whether they're Hispanic, whether they're Asian, whether they're Anglo-Saxon, it doesn't matter. From Guatemala to Cambodia to Honduras, people have the same needs. They have the same hurts. They have the same joys. You know, they're providing for their family. People get sick. They need healing. 
and they want to be encouraged. So it has literally made the world bigger and smaller for me in, in two different ways. You know, I, I, like I said, I'll be 49 in December. If you'd told me 25 years ago when I first really gave my heart to the Lord and started passionately serving him, that one day you'll be traveling halfway around the world and teaching children or I, I couldn't grasp that, you know, the world was too big. But now in the last three years, having this opportunity, I've had 11 international trips in two and a half years now and to see how small the world really is and how we all are the same and we hurt the same and, and we, we rejoice the same. And that if we can make Christ the focal point of that, that we have that commonality uh, through the Spirit of God. And so that's been a great challenge and real exciting opportunity. And then you had mentioned earlier the opportunity ministering at Weary Housing. That's probably the next big focus or exciting part for me and Coffee Cup is to join with community servants at Weary Housing. Um, my family will be moving there in May, June of this year and living on campus there. And we're also looking at starting a missionary training school there. We're in the process of developing the curriculum and, and setting up the internships and things where we'll have a local uh, training school for people that are local in the Middle Tennessee area that can come to this. But then we'll also have a housing where people can, that feel a call of God to go and serve around the world as missionaries. They can raise their funds and come stay for a year on campus and they'll do in internships where the first four hours of the week, of every weekday, they'll do in-class training and, uh, and learning, and they can earn their degree in missions. And then the back half of these afternoons, we'll actually go out and do practical application of that locally and do some international trips involved in that. And so I have the opportunity to be a, a teacher and a facilitator of some of the modules and hopefully to be a vital part of that. So I'm looking forward to what God will do with us in that. Yeah, I uh, I knew a little bit about the, uh, the the school that was coming up, and I'm so glad that you mentioned that. Uh, one of the things I really like about that school is the way that it's structured to do coursework and ministry sort of at the same time, and also to give people an opportunity to be involved in cross-cultural ministry while they're still in the States. It's not, exactly. it's not a model where you go for three months and you learn something and then you go someplace you've never met and minister to people you've never met. Exactly. And that, that community has that opportunity. There's a Hispanic uh, demographic there and there's also a Asian demographic where the Burmese people, so they can get it hands on right within the community that they're learning. And then they can turn around that very same day and go out and, and love on these people and learn to put it into application. Now, if, if I remember correctly, it, it's not possible to sign up for the school yet. Is that right? Correct. The, we're hoping to have the initial program, uh, the, the internship where it's open to the local community. We hope to have that up and running by the end of March of this year. Okay. So uh, when we get closer to that, especially as we're, as you approach launching the, the school to sort of the public, I may want to have you or John or somebody available to talk about that because I, I think that's a great opportunity for somebody who's interested in, in missions and wants to actually find out whether or not they can do cross-cultural ministry. Absolutely. And, and so with that, I think I'd like to move on to the next section, uh, which we're going to call the speed round. This is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us with your amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? Oh, man, it's like a game show. It is. 
no buzzers, no bells or anything. Just answer the question. Okay. Yeah. So what's the best advice you've ever received? It's cliche. I'm pretty sure. But a pastor told me in the midst of a difficult trial that I had underwent, he said, you can always trust God. No matter what the circumstance or the trial, that he will always prove himself faithful. And, you know, that may not be a life-changing, you know, bit of advice, but I have found it to be true in the menial uh, trials that I faced to the great difficulties that I faced, especially in the last 15, 20 years of, of life in ministry. God will always prove himself faithful. What's one meaningful thing somebody did to encourage, support, or help you? Three years ago when I felt the call to go back to full-time ministry and and um, trying to get things off the ground, you know, how do I go about raising support and trying to get a, a web page going or newsletters and things like this. And a lot of counsel happened through my senior pastor at Springhouse, Ronnie Meek, And so over several lunches and just swinging by and and stopping in his office, uh, you know, we'd been at this for about nine months to a year. And and so we were having a conversation and he finally just said, so what are you waiting on? (laughs) When are you going to send a letter? Because my wife and I are ready to support you right now. And for me, um, it was more than just, hey, pat on the back. We believe in you you can do this when he shared that they were ready to financially invest in me and what I felt God was calling me to in ministry. That was just, that was huge. Cause it's like, okay, I do, I am hearing from the Lord in this and to a point that other people are seeing that and they were ready. So after he shared within a week, there were four to five other people that said, man, when are you going to send letters? We're, we're waiting for this ministry to get going. So that was probably it for me. Man, that can be so encouraging. Uh, can you share with us one of your personal habits that you believe strongly contributes to your growth and success? It's, it's quite obvious, and you hear it all the time, but it literally is a daily prayer and time in the Word. Um, most of mine is in the mornings. Uh, you know, when I get up, and have some quiet time before my wife and, and my children get going. I've got two teenage children in the home. and But before they get out and get going on their day, you know, I have about a half hour there in the morning where I can uh, read my daily passage and do some meditation and then uh, prayer time. And then I heard a pastor share this. In fact, it was my senior pastor, Ronnie Me. He had a friend that made the statement, you know, he said, how often do you pray? And he said, I never pray more than five minutes. And I never go five minutes without praying. And I kind of scoffed at that statement. But I have kind of taken that into my own life over the last probably six, seven years where just driving around. I mean, you know, (laughs) doing menial things during the day, but I'll find myself having conversation with God as if, and he is, literally right there with me. So just as we're sitting here having conversation today, I'll be in a room by myself and God and I'll just talk, you know, I'll talk out loud and have conversation, which is prayer. And um, so prayer and Bible reading is, is literally the habit that keeps me focused and keeps me on task and, and I think makes whatever I do successful. Do you have an internet resource like Evernote or something else that you can share with our listeners? I really like version. Um, I carry it on, it's on my phone, it's on my laptop. And I use the U version Bible uh, daily plans. Those are part of my 
you know, I have a particular thing that I do in the mornings, but then I have these three or four daily Bible yearly plans and they may be specific for certain areas, whether it's right now I'm doing a 40 day program on justice, the justice of God. And I'm also doing one on grace, which is a a 40 day deal. And so I cycle through those and I use those during the course of the days. And, um, and then I have to admit, I'm a God tube junkie now because of a friend of mine who is sitting across the room from me as you, Brian. Oh, thank <laughs> he turned me on to God tube. And so that's become a junkie uh, thing for me. I have to check it out every day. What's one book you'd recommend for our listeners? It's, it's a, rarely, a fairly new book. It's called The Sending Church. And it's by Pastor Pat Hood in Smyrna, Tennessee from LifePoint. Uh, they have become a big missions-driven uh, church, and they've experienced great growth through this in their body. And so he began to uh, put some notes down, and and in conversations with other people, he was encouraged to write this book. And and it's a really inspiring and uh, encouraging book for those that are either a considering missions or how that they can be a supporter of missions. You know, you don't have to go to be missions-minded. You can be one that sends. You can be one that helps to pray and cover people. You can be one that uh, financially supports. There's a brother in our church that um, physically he's unable to go on trips, uh, flights, and things, but he has been a huge financial supporter to so many people. And so when we stand before the Lord that day, his reward is going to be just as equal to the ones that have been serving on the field or the ones that go. And so that's what this book is about, Sending Church. Okay, and this last one's a bit tricky, uh, but I know that you're prepared for it because uh, I know that you prepared for this. So uh, if you need to, you can take a minute, but we'll look for you to come back with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new country, a place where you knew nobody. You still have your experience and knowledge and your family. Your food and shelter is covered, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? <laughs> the laptop's what throws me on this when you uh, when you bring this into play because I love my little laptop and I'm always on it. But if I don't have to worry about any of those other particulars, I think that I find on my laptop, I research and find out um, ministries in that area, whatever, wherever I'm at, whatever country or village or town, and I find a way to sew that $500. Because it's, it's replicating the gospel and, and multiplying seed. So if I can find somebody in that town or village that's doing a work and there's fruit being born in that work, if I can resource them to do what they do better, then I, you know, the scripture in Matthew 30, 60, 100 fold, then that $500 has to come back, whether it's financially or within the life of souls, or, you know, God will honor his word. So if I can sow into a ministry that's doing what God has called them to do, and financially or personally be a resource to them to bear fruit, then that's what I would look to do. Okay, Alan, we're almost done, and thank you for that answer. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you to share with us one last piece of advice, and then the best way to keep in touch with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Never wear belts when going into the airport to go through TSA. I've learned over the last three years, when I travel, it's shoes with no shoe strings, uh, slacks or shorts with no belt, 
and as little little as possible that will set off that alarm so that I can expedite myself. That was a great piece of advice from somebody who travels quite a bit. <laughs> so uh, what's the best way for us to keep in touch with you? Um, there are various ways. You can find me on Facebook at Coffee Cup, Coffee Cup Ministries. You can also email me at coffeecupministries at gmail.com. And then you can also find me through springhousesmyrna.com, and I will have a place under the missions area. Well, thank you so much, Alan. We'll, uh, we'll go ahead and link all of that stuff up in the show notes uh, so that everybody has that available for you. And uh, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time out to share with us, and uh, we'll be praying for you. Thanks, Alan. Great. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. So there you have it. Alan Smith of Coffee Cup Ministries shared some great stories and insights with us. I'm so thankful he was able to be on the show, and I hope that you enjoyed it as well. If you did enjoy hearing Alan's story, why not help us spread the word? You can do that by sharing the link to today's episode, engagingmissions.com slash Alan Smith. You can also visit engagingmissions.com slash iTunes to subscribe to the radio show and to leave a rating and review. Both of those will help new people find us. You'll find the notes for today's show at engagingmissions.com slash Alan Smith. We'll have all the links there and all the notes for the conversation. You can go there and click right through to any of the great resources he shared, and you can also leave any comments or questions. Finally, if you resonated with Alan's story, why not connect with him? You can find him at coffeecupministries.org. Go there and sign up for his email newsletter. Let him know you're praying for him, and if you want to support him financially, you'll find all of that information on his website as well. Thanks so much for joining us for the Engaging Missions Radio Show. May God richly bless you. We'll see you next week.